are busy with a sermon series. We call it the One Series. It's every year, One Series. What is the One Series? That is when all the Every Nation churches in Tswane come together, and every Sunday we pray and we preach. We pray every Sunday, but we preach exactly the same sermon. And so for this year, we are focusing on our values. That's our values over there. Uh, and so Rudolf started last week awesome, just laying the foundation. Why, why values? Can you remember the, the, the why? Let me help you, because I see Charlene go, no, I can't remember. <laughs> why values? Because values is what we base our decisions on. You make decisions based on your values. And so your decisions impacts and influences your actions. Whatever you decide, that informs your actions. And so it's important to understand why values. More importantly, it is of utmost importance to look at what values. And so he also focused on what influences and what determines your values. So why and what influences your values. And so, yes, that is our church's values. But I think it would be important for you somewhere just to pause throughout the six weeks just to say, well, what of that is part of my values? What of that I feel, sure, it's important that if even I weren't in this church, that that would be part of my values. Can I ask you to take out your phones quickly? Let's do an exercise. And if you've got a book, then do take out your book. Write down three values, your own values. I've got a value on health. That's why I train. Maybe that's one. I've got a value on not dying alone. That's why I'm dating. Three values. This is the right crowd for that joke, eh? Can't do that in the morning service. Okay, three values, quickly. When you're done, just look up, then I know we're done. Three values. What is it that you value? Don't make it too deep exercise now. Just write your three values. All right, let's go. And so I want to propose something to you, but before I do that, uh, my topic for tonight is the following, the preeminence of Jesus Christ. The preeminence of Jesus and I'll unpack and explain that a bit later if you don't un understand the word preeminence. But here's, the, here's what I want to propose to you. That it, you would really struggle, those three things that you have written, and even more things I if I gave you more time, you would really struggle to always align your values with God's will, meaning to value what God values, if your starting point is not the preeminence of Jesus. You will struggle to align your values with that which God values if your starting point always is not Jesus. Now, let me explain that. We just celebrated all our mothers. God has placed a value, so that is His will, on us honoring our fathers and mothers. See to it, my children, that you honor your father and mother so that you may live long and happy lives in the land that I've given you. Quoted from Scripture. And so sitting here, it's easy to honor our parents if you come from an environment 
where God was feared, there was love, yes, there was times of missing one another, but it wasn't the deep hurt environment. But what about the opposite? What if you grew up in an environment where God did not exist? Yes, we went to church, but that was about it. Maybe you got hurt by your father or your mother, or you saw how your father hurt your mother. It becomes a bit more difficult to then really sit here and say, I honor my parents. See, it will be difficult to align your values with what God values if your starting point is not the preeminence of Jesus. Let me use another example. The word says God places a value on us loving our neighbors as we love ourselves. Meaning that even if somebody looks different, they eat different stuff, they support the stormers, that you will still love them. Yes? Yes? It becomes difficult when, when it's somebody that doesn't look like you. That doesn't eat the things that you eat. And so again, how does your values align with what God values? The Bible says, see to it that you honor me with the first fruit of your produce. Meaning that whatever you bring in, honor me with that. Honor me with that. Not see to it that you pay everything. And if something is left, then I honor God with what there is. It would be difficult to align your values with what God values. If your starting point is not the preeminence of Jesus. So what does it mean? It means that if your values does not align with what God values, your decisions will not reflect what God values. And more so, your actions will definitely not reflect God's word. And so Paul, looking at this, speaks to the church in Colossia. Because they go through some challenges. And he explains this to them. And so you can open your Bibles with me. And just bear with me, I forgot my glasses. He explains this to them. Colossians 1. You can open your Bibles with me, Colossians 1. And so as you go there, let me give you just context. Colossia, the church in Colossia, was planted by a friend of Paul, Epaphras. Paul actually never visited this church. He did not plant this church. And so Paul, being in jail in Rome, is visited by his friend Epaphras, gives him feedback about the church, the goods and the challenges. And so in that moment, he hears that this church that he praises in chapter 1 for their faith and their love faces challenges of people in the church starting to teach false teaching, encouraging the church to adopt certain values like circumcision, abstaining from certain food types, kosher diet, the Jewish kosher diet, to pray to angels and heavenly beings. And so, this is the challenge of this church, values. And so Paul comes and, and yes, he addresses that in chapter 2. But before he does that, he starts with the preeminence of Jesus. And there's a reason for that. And so let's read from verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, 
the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. There's the word. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. And you, who were once were alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him, if indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from hope, from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Father, thank you that we can now, Holy Spirit, just ask you as we open your word that you will speak to us. You will speak to us tonight about just, just our values. And more so, Holy Spirit, that you will open the word to show us what it means to worship you, Jesus, as the preeminent one. I pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so, before you start using your phones to Google, let me quickly explain when we say the preeminence of Jesus. So, if you're Afrikaans like me, I see some of you have been Googling already. All right, so let me quickly explain. Preeminence means before everything, the most important. Before anything, the most important. The first to receive honor. The first to be exalted. And so that's the meaning of preeminence. And so the preeminence of Jesus means then that he is before everything. He is to be exalted above everything. He is to receive all your honor first. He is supposed to be the most important in your life first. And so Paul explains this. There is this congregation, Colossia. They're facing certain challenges. In chapter 2, verse 8, Paul says, See to it that your minds are not taken captive by hollow and deceitful philosophies that is built, listen to this, on human tradition. That's in chapter 2, to the latter end of this letter that he writes. And so he understands what is happening, and then he starts, Is Jesus number one above everything in your life? I will answer the food thing, but is Jesus number one? Is he first? And so in this, this piece, uh, these verses that we just read, he explains the preeminence of Jesus by using three things. First being in verse 15. Verse 15, he says the following. 
He is the image of the invisible God. So the three things, Jesus is God, He is first in all creation, and He is first after death. He is God, He is the, he's, he's the firstborn of creation, and He is the firstborn after death. And so verse 15, He is the image, He is the image of the invisible God. Jesus is God. So what is this word image? Is the same word, exactly the same word that you will see in Genesis when God says, let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Let us make God in our image, in our likeness. The Greek word is, the, is icon. Icon. This generation understands the word icon. I don't have to explain it. This morning I have to draw pictures. No, I'm joking. Icon. A representation, a likeness. A representation, a likeness. That's the meaning of the word icon. And so, if you've seen my daughter, there was a picture of us, and I took it off for this service, because I understand the Gen Z, don't expose me, don't put me on the pedestal. And so I took the picture off. But if my daughter were to stand next to me, you would say, we can see that it's your daughter. There is a likeness. There are certain features of you portrayed in your daughter. Yes, anybody of you heard that, that somebody would say to you, yes, you, you look just like your mother or your father? And you cringe, you know, maybe. I don't know. I don't know how you react to that. I prayed. Let me just be very vulnerable. I prayed when I heard Susanna was pregnant the first time that they would look like her, you know, not like me, because I've got a beautiful wife. And so what we need to understand when Paul is writing and he's saying he is the image of God, it is not referring to their certain characteristic traits. And there is a representation of what God is. No, what Paul is saying here is he is God in flesh. He is everything, the true image of God in flesh. And so Jesus is not a representation of some features of God. He is God. He is God. And so, yes, let's talk about praying to angels. Let's talk about honor your mother and father, Colossia. But do you understand that Jesus is God? And so when you determine your values, are you doing it from the understanding that He is God? Maybe look at your three values quickly. Look at your values. Look at your values. Is Jesus God? And so Paul continues. The second thing that he, that he speaks about is Jesus the firstborn in all creation. Again, verse 15. Let me maybe just pause there. Listen to what Jesus says in John 14 verse 8. Philip said to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it is enough for us. And Jesus said to him, have I been with you so long, and you still do not know me, Philip? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? And so this is Jesus himself saying, I am God. I am God. And so in determining your values... Is it from the understanding that He is God? 
Second thing Jesus mentions is that Jesus is, or Paul mentions, Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Verse 15, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. The firstborn, firstborn of all creation. Here's the thing about this verse. Those that seek to prove that Christianity is bold on a mere man that has died, a prophet like Muhammad, uses this verse to say, but he is born. He was a firstborn. And so if he is born, then he cannot be God. And so let me just help you quickly understand, when studying and reading Scripture, you can never do it by taking one verse out of the Bible and not putting it in context with the rest and the whole of the Bible. Because in John 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God. In Genesis 1, it says, In the beginning God created. And so many a times when we study the Word, we look at Scripture through Western eyes. Firstborn. Ah, so he was the first one in the family. You see, in the ancient culture, the word firstborn meant something different than just birth. It meant that you were the heir to the estate of the father. You were the heir. And so at age, when you turned 12 to 13, you became 13, you became level in authority to the father, always obviously submitting to the father as long as he lived. But the rest of the household was under your governance. And so when Paul is referring to Jesus as the firstborn in creation, he is saying that he is the heir, the firstborn to the estate of the Father, creation. Anybody here know there was a lot of good events last weekend? One not so important was the coronation of the king. Anybody watched that? Yes? I see there's a lot of ladies, and I know some men here who uh, don't want to put up their hands. And so Charles, being the firstborn of four siblings, became king. And so now he is ruling. His two brothers and his one sister submit under his rule and his reign. Because he's the firstborn, the heir to the throne. Yes, this king will die, but this is, this is a metaphor that I'm trying to explain to you. And so Paul continues in verse 16 to unpack this more. Not referring to him being somebody that were born. He explains, for by him all things were created. Colossae, you need to understand that, yes, let's talk about abstaining from certain food. But by him all things were created. Let's think about the heavenly beings that you want to pray to and worship. He'll explain that to them and he'll address it. But he starts off with the preeminence. By him, all things were created. By him, all things were created. By him, all things were created. In heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Can you... Can you see what I'm thinking currently? Can you, Tommy? You want to take a guess? Can you see what I'm feeling currently? You see, by Him, everything was created. 
visible and invisible. He is God of the visible and the invisible. Even what you think, the emotions that you feel, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through Him and for Him. So He is the origin of everything, but He is also the purpose of everything. It's created by Him, for Him. Last week, Ruda used the example, family, wife, and children. Have you placed them above God? You see, because by Him, marriage was created, and it was created for Him. And when your values is aligned with God's values, and you live according to what He predestined the marriage should look like, you are busy honoring Him. Your relationships, by Him, for Him. And so Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. And then verse 17, and He is before all things, and listen to this, and in Him all things hold together. He's not just the origin, the purpose, but He also sustains. And that is written in the continuous form. It didn't happen many years ago. He is continually sustaining that which He has created for Him. He is continually sustaining what He has created for Him. And this picture looks different when we start taking what He has created for Him and we start applying that for us. And we become the sustainers of what we value. So Paul is saying, Jesus is God. But do you also understand, church in Colossia, that He is the firstborn of all creation? And then he says the third thing. Jesus is the firstborn from the dead. Verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything he might be preeminent. There's many examples in the Bible of people who died and who were resurrected. Can you give me an example? Lazarus, the famous one, the little girl. Lazarus was raised. He was resurrected. But do you know that he also died again? The little girl that was raised, she died again. And so Jesus becomes the firstborn from the dead. Speaks about an eternal resurrection, never to die again. And so let me just explain the theology to you quickly. Donnie, he was the firstborn before creation. Why should he then become the firstborn after death? See, when God created and he placed Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, he gave unto them the dominion mandate to rule and reign over creation as a representation of God in human flesh. And so we know that Adam and Eve, through sinning, gave that keys, the authority, the dominion authority of creation over to Satan. And so Jesus had to become man. He had to live the life that you and I were supposed to live. And he died the death that we were supposed to die. And on the third day, he rose again, conquering death. And in that moment, 
taking back the keys over death. When Satan, in the desert, after Jesus came out, he prayed and he fasted and he tempted him. You remember what he tried to give him? Rule, authority, reign. He said to him, bow down and worship me and you, everything you can see I will give unto you. He was trying to give what is his to Jesus, knowing that if in that moment Jesus took it, death would have still reigned. And so Jesus is the firstborn of creation, but he's also the firstborn, the resurrection, into a new kingdom. Firstborn of everything. He is before everything. That is why Jesus is preeminent. He is God, but he's also first before everything. And so when you consider your values tonight, look at your values. Look at your values. Don't put it away. We're going to go there a few times. When you consider your values tonight, is he first? Is he first? That hand which you are currently holding, is he first? Jesus is God. And he is preeminent. He is before everything. He is the supreme king. And that is why he is Lord. And so I started tonight by, by making a proposal or giving you a proposal. I said it is, it will, you will struggle to align your values with God's will. God's values, if the starting point is not the preeminence of Christ, if you don't understand that He is God and that He is supposed to be before everything. And so let's look at our, just our values again. Evangelism, Luke 19 verse 10. He came to seek and save the lost. That is His value. How do you feel about that value in your life? How does your value align with that? Discipleship. Go out and make disciples of all nations. Teaching them what I've taught you. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. This, uh, leadership. 2 Timothy 2 verses 2. That which you have seen me teach in the presence of many. Find faithful men and women. Find leaders. Teach them to obey so that they again can teach others. Family, Psalm 127 verse 1. In vain the laborers build the house. That word house, building in some of the translations. In Hebrew is family. The household. And so in vain a husband and a wife will try to build a family if God himself is not the builder. How does your values tonight, Linwood, Aligned to the preeminence of Jesus. Is He God? Is He before everything? And so if you look at your values again, and your starting point becomes Jesus being first, how will your values change? How will your values change? See, I purposefully did not start with Lordship when we went through. Because as a church, the glasses that we look through is Lordship. 
Jesus being preeminent. Him being before everything. Him being the glasses through which we discern the direction, the values, what we stand for, what we build, what we want to become. And so I said it's important for you to look at those values and think, well, what if those values are part of my life? Why? Because Lordship should be the glasses through which all of us look at our lives. Lordship, Him being God and Him being first of everything, should be the glasses that you look through when you think about your studies, when you think about your career, when you think about your future marriage, when you think of your current marriage, when you think about just your actions, your decisions. Are you doing it through the glasses of Lordship? Him being God and Him being first. I remember... When I still coached rugby at Tux, one night I drove one of the players back. Great young man, uh, loved God. And so I asked him that night, so tell me, why are you studying what you're studying? And he said to me, Donnie, because when my father and I looked at all the options, I chose one where I knew that there's enough money to sustain me. See how quickly it comes into our lives. That our values do not align with God's values. No, no, I'm not saying God doesn't value your future. But He is the one that sustains it. Are you wearing tonight the glasses of Lordship? Have you in your hearts set Him apart from everything? Peter says the following. In 1 Peter 3 verse 15. Listen to this. and I'm concluding with this. But in your hearts... Honor Christ the Lord as holy. Holy meaning set apart. In your hearts, honor Him as Christ the Lord, as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. You see, Jesus is not part of everything. He is the origin of everything. Jesus is not part of everything. He is the one that sustains everything that you value. Jesus is not part, you guys can come up, of everything. He is supposed to be Lord of everything you value. He's not part of it. He's supposed to be Lord. And so you will struggle to align your values with God's will, if your starting point is not Him being God, and if He's not before everything, I want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, I pray that you will minister unto us now. morning I used the example of a house. I saw a picture of a house. Let me use it here. That house is a representation of your life with eyes closed. I want you to see Jesus standing next to you. He's asking you to take him through your house, through your life. Obviously in this house there's many rooms. If you understand the preeminence of Jesus, means that He is Lord 
over every room, every facet of your life. Which doors in your house is closed to Jesus tonight? Which rooms are closed to the Lordship of Jesus tonight? really sensing there's some ladies here tonight just really sense it's more than one but this room for you tonight is a relationship and the reason why this door is closed is because you know that you know that when you open this door to Jesus he would say to you this does not fit into a life that is submitted to his lordship. And the fear in your heart tonight is, is one of not being left alone. The fear in your heart tonight is one of not being chosen. Can I just say to you, Jesus has already chosen you. He has created you. He is the one that sustains you. And He will provide for you in His good time the relationship that will align with His values. I'll give you an opportunity just to, just to speak to the Lord on your own. Specifically, Naming that door, naming that room, and tonight bowing down before the King of Kings and just giving Him the keys. Can we do that? going to end off with a song I want this to be a, a faith proclamation we're going to sing the song again you are worthy of it all before we do so again I just sense specifically there's a businessman here one you're an owner you're not part of of uh, ownership maybe one or two owners but you are you are one of the decision makers you are the decision maker God is saying tonight to you, how much is enough? How much is enough? When will you come to that point when it is enough for you? Before you allow me to work in and through you. How much do you want in your storeroom before you submit? Am I not the one 
that has created everything? Am I not the one that deserves everything? Am I not the one that sustains you? You need to open the door of your business to Him. Make Him Lord, not just your business. You need to open the door of just the rulership of the resources that you are busy generating. You can stand with me. Maybe just for theology's sake, I know we say this and I know what we mean by this, but we don't make Him Lord. We submit to His Lordship. I don't have power over Him being Lord. He is on the throne. He is on the throne. I don't place Him on the throne. But in my life, I submit to Him so that His throne and His Lordship also becomes visible in my life. And my life is submitted to His Lordship. So by faith, can we proclaim tonight that He is worthy of it all?